training camp, and name pronunciations. Let's talk about that. Good morning, Panthers fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Daily Panthers Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Taylor, and we are back with episode 51 in the series of the Daily Panthers Podcast. You can follow me at Daily Panthers on Twitter for all of your news, sports, analysis, tips, tricks, anything to do with the Carolina Panthers, not the Florida Panthers. If you want those, go a little further south, but... I digress. Um, So today we're going to be talking about training camp. We're going to be talking about name pronunciations. We're going to be talking about a little more Justin Houston news. We're going to be talking about all the things you want to talk about, the Panthers. So first things first, name pronunciations. I feel like David Newton sometimes on this podcast when I cannot get these names right. I apologize. So first off, it's Alvin Kamara, as verified by Alvin Kamara himself. So not Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara got a three-game suspension for stomping a guy at a nightclub at 6.30 in the morning. Alvin Kamara. Um, it's Yitor Grossmatos, so I apologize, butchered that name as well. And the one that I really had no confidence in, Kamu Grugier-Hill. Kamu Grugier, it's Grugier, not Grugier. Grugier, my southern's coming out. Hill. I assume it's French, but fun little fact with him, he didn't start football until he was a senior in high school, and then he went to Eastern Illinois after his teammate told the coach, hey, look at this guy, he's pretty good. So Kamu Grugier-Hill, Yitor Grossmatos, and I feel like I need to do like the first two minutes of just clarifications and corrections of previous podcasts. Uh, one thing I wanted to clarify, I misspoke and said Yitor was going into his third year he's going into his fourth year which is crazy to me I feel like he hasn't been around that long which is not a good thing um, and Alvin Kamara Kamara that's a big one people say wrong he did say it kind of depends on how it rolls off the tongue so some people say Kamara some people say Kamara he didn't seem to mind that much but Kamara is the way he pronounces it so that's the way that I will pronounce it but there you go and uh, I and finally good on these name pronunciations. So hopefully I'll never get another name wrong. Again, especially not Bryce Young. Good thing he's got a two-syllable name. It does not get any shorter than that. Uh, but I just need y'all to hear some of these fantasy football team names that I came up with for Panthers fans. So if you specifically want a Panthers-themed fantasy name, here are... Some good ones for you. So, The Young and the Restless, Forever Young, Only the Good Bryce Young, Only the Good Bryce Young, for those Billy Joel fans, The Green Miles, if you're a Spielberg fan, Are You Feeling It Now, Mr. Krabs, Feeling Myself, really anything with feeling to feeling puns, Burns, baby, burn, The Price is Reich, or The Bryce is Reich. That might be a little bit too far. I don't know. Hasta la Visca. Credit to the Spanish announcers for that one. Uh, whenever La Visca Chenault. La Visca? I still. Okay. Scott Fitter said La Visca. I keep trying to pronounce that one correctly. We've got a lot of little tricky names on our roster. But yes, Hasta la Visca from Spanish announcers whenever he ran that like 80 yard touchdown. 
at the Saints or against the Saints. It was at Charlotte, but that was a fun game. And I think Will Lutz missed like two or three uh, field goals that game as well. So that was a fun one to go to. I'm glad I was able to go to that one. Uh, but I digress. Anyway, um, so also in news, Justin Houston, the signing has gone over with mixed reviews. I would say it's fair to say with Panthers fans. There are part of fans who say it's a good signing for various reasons, and there are parts of the fan base who say it is not a good signing for various reasons, and I think that they are both correct. But one thing I do want to kind of clarify that this is not us signing another starter. Uh, Justin Houston is not going to be a surefire starter, the opposite of Ryan Burns. This is a Band-Aid, hence the one-year contract. Um, Some people are upset about the amount, saying that it was an overpay. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if we're not using that money for something else. You don't get a prize. i said this so many times. You do not get a prize for cap space. Okay, there's no cap space prize. There is a minimum and there is a maximum, obviously. But you don't get extra points for having the most cap space. It's helpful, sure. But if we're not going to use it anyway and it's going to get freed up after a year, it really doesn't matter that much if it's $6 million or $8 million. Every million matters, of course, if we want to make some midseason moves and things like that. But don't fret over this contract. It's not like a Nicholas Batum situation where we're going to be paying him for the next seven years or something. It's a Band-Aid piece in a dissipating market where the value was few and far between and we got probably the most valuable guy left. A, a situational pass rusher who is going to play probably 30% of the snaps when we need to get after the quarterback. That is probably about it at this point. And I do like the signing personally. I think that it was a good choice for us to make at this point, especially with the market where it is and with us where we are. We also got to look at the other players in on our team and have decided that apparently DJ Johnson is not the answer. I'm already getting pissed off about this. I hope that he proves us wrong, but right now we're not seeing a whole lot out of DJ Johnson. Apparently, that's what I'm seeing. That's what's been reported out of training camp, that we don't feel comfortable with what we have currently, and we needed some help. And I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole again of saying that we have brought DJ Johnson in to do something that he hasn't done. We're not going into that, but... We obviously did not believe in DJ Johnson or what we had enough to say that he is going to be serviceable enough for us to not need help. And we went out and we're taking up a roster spot with Justin Houston. I don't think this means that Yitor is going to be gone. I do think that this kind of puts a clock on Amare Barno. It also crowds. That receiver room is pretty crowded. Shy Smith is even more so on the chopping block. Uh, Demir Bird is still on the chopping block. I don't think Marquise Haynes is going anywhere, but he is hurt, and that's probably played a lot into bringing Justin Houston in. So at this point, anything is up in the air. There's still 90 guys on the roster. At this point, predicting roster spots outside of the obvious ones, it's, it's hard because you have 90 guys on the roster, probably about 15, 20, 25 of those are... Locked down under contract. We're definitely bringing them on. Maybe 30. And then you have about 20 spots left for the next 60 or 70 guys. 
So it is a dog-eat-dog world. Now, you do have 10 spots on your practice squad, but those can get stolen at any point. That's what happened with us with Harrison Butker, I believe. So, yeah, that's just how it is. And it's unfortunate, but with that situation going the way it is with our defensive pass rush, you know, I guess we felt not comfortable with the guys who are currently on the roster. So we brought Justin Houston and obviously someone pointed out that he is one of the highest, highest paid guys on the team. I think he was like seventh or eighth, just right above uh, Bryce young. But honestly, that just says to me more so that we're not paying the wrong guys at this point. So I'm okay with that. Whatever the number is in comparison to other guys, doesn't really matter that much to me. It is what it is at this point. Um, also, people are already talking about Brian Burns' contract and why it's not signed. And there was a report that the Panthers and Brian Burns are quote-unquote not even close, which I do not buy at all. This is just the only time the media wants to cover the Panthers is to stoke some sort of flame of division. And I am not buying it even a little bit. First of all, Brian Burns is at practice. Second of all, we are clearly waiting on Nick Bosa. And they're saying, oh, you should get him signed before Nick Bosa signs his contract. You think Brian Burns doesn't know that too? Like, it's not a video game. We can't just make a guy sign or just raise the money until he does. He's got his own livelihood. He is a human. He has an agent who knows what's best for him. And everyone and their mother knows Nick Bosa is going to reset the market. That's obvious. So we can't beat the market unless Brian Burns lets us. It's a contract. It's a two-way agreement between two parties. One person makes it, agrees to it. The other person signs it, agreeing to it. So you you can't force a man to sign a contract. You can't just beat the market. It's just people want to talk about it like it's so easy. And just like, I don't know why the Panthers haven't done it yet. Well, you think they wouldn't have if they could have I that makes no sense to me to say something like that and it's just uh anytime the national media talks about the Panthers in general I'm just like y'all don't know what you're talking about I heard you call them like Terrence Marshall anytime I hear someone say Terrence Marshall I know immediately that they do not cover the Panthers enough to be talking about the Panthers and that's coming from someone who cannot pronounce anyone's name correctly or remember anything ever but I just, it irks me so much. And if it was any other team, it would obviously be given the benefit of the doubt of, like, no one's been, I haven't really seen people talking trash about the 49ers saying, like, oh, why haven't they signed Nick Bosa? I haven't seen that. But apparently since it's the Panthers, we should have signed Brian Burns a long time ago, even though he and his agent are clearly waiting on Nick Bosa to reset the market so then they can sign. It's not the opposite. And, I'm sure Brian Burns is fine playing out his fifth-year option and signing his contract after the season. I don't think that that bothers him much. And he's clearly very happy in Charlotte because he is here and he is practicing with his guys. And he seems like he wanted to be back. He was injured. He could have sat out. I mean, why would you not? The If you were really upset, even if you weren't upset, if you think about this logically from Brian Burns' perspective, if you really wanted to sit out he would have a good reason to. He was injured. He's coming off ankle surgery. It's a contract year for him. He doesn't want to take any risks. But despite all of that, he has taken risks with playing in training camp. He came back from an ankle surgery. 
he very easily, very easily could have just said, like, I'm going to sit this one out. I don't know how that affects his bottom line. If sitting out because of injury, like I know with Jonathan Taylor, they said that they were going to put him on like the, I can't remember. It's not the PUP. It's some, it's like the PIMP or something like that, where uh, you can actually take their money away from them. I don't think that's the situation here either, but I just want you to look at the difference between the way the Panthers are handling this situation and the way, the Colts are handling this situation. We have an owner who, you know, sometimes maybe he does talk a little bit too much, but it's not like Jim Irsay. If I was a Colts fan, I would be so annoyed at Jim. I mean, I'm not a Colts fan, and I'm so annoyed at Jim Irsay and just how much he gets involved and how much he talks. And David Tepper, I felt that way with all the the Rock Hill stuff with the practice stadium. But now I'm kind of like, you know, whatever. Haven't heard from him in a while. Oh, well. There are some things I don't like about him. There are some things I do like about him. And that's how I feel about pretty much any owner of any team. Whereas with Jimmy say I'm like, I hate everything about you. But just look at the difference between this being handled from one front office to another. We, I would rather be in this front office in which we are handling players with care. And we signed Miles Sanders for a good contract. We value the running back position and we're going to pay the running back position. And I'm okay with that. Because it is the right price, and it's from a position that has a lot of value in a Frank Reich offense. And this is the guy that we wanted. We made him leave the Eagles, and I think that he is going to have a career year. And I think that Brian Burns is going to sign his contract. I think it will happen before the season, but also it it might not. I think it will, but I would not be surprised if it did not. My prediction would be that it's going to get signed before the first game is played. I don't think... I think Brian Burns will say that he doesn't mind playing out his fifth year. I can imagine that would be the report. But also, you know, time heals all wounds, if there are any. And I think within a month from now, Brian Burns is going to re-sign his or sign his contract. It's going to be in the $30 million range. And they were talking trash about Brian Burns um, not getting traded for those picks. And us declining to trade him to the Rams for, I think it was two first-round picks and a second-round pick that ended up being like 38th overall. We declined to do that because we valued him so much. So I don't see a world in which we say, we value you enough to not trade you for all of these assets. And also, we're not going to be signing you to a new contract. That doesn't make any sense. Obviously, we know his value, so we're going to sign him. To a contract, I don't think Scott Fitterer would be in a situation where he would not trade Brian Burns and then also let him go for nothing. He would be gone so quick in that scenario, regardless of what happens. And I don't think Brian Burns would be practicing right now after ankle surgery if he was really that upset about the contract situation. So I think that this is agent talk of, I want to make my guy sound better in the media, these agents are, are getting a little out of control. You've got the agent who got in Jonathan Taylor's ear. And I I will crap on Jim Irsay anytime I get a chance to. But some of these agents are a little bit too big for their britches. Saying things to the media, leaking stories to try to get more leverage. Um, you even had someone like Saquon who was quote-unquote not close. It always seems like they're not close until they actually sign the contract. So I'm not worried that no contract has been signed at this point and I don't think that they let their 
at this point, their second greatest investment. Um, really, if you think about it, they essentially, by not trading two firsts and a second, they basically said that's your value compared to a similar haul for Bryce Young. So they kind of say, we value this position almost as much as we value what we believe to be our franchise quarterback. And you don't do that, bet your job on that and this guy, and then not get the contract signed. So there is no no question of the value there. Um, so I don't think we need to worry about it too much. Um, just keep an eye on it at this point. It's kind of like anything. This is the same thing I was saying about Bryce Young's contract. Of course, this one does have the caveat of having a lot more things that go into it, a lot more possibilities, a lot different language, a lot more negotiation. The numbers can really be whatever you make it, but that's why they need Nick Bosa to set the market so that we may go off of that. Because if it's 32, then Brian Burns is going to get 29. If it's 30, Brian Burns is going to get 26. It's really just going to depend on that. So it's going to be fine. Um, And then... Also, kind of think about it in terms of what is available if we did give up Brian Burns, who we would have drafted. If we did that, we would have drafted probably some sort of defensive help addresser or something with that first round pick. And then in the second round, we would have picked up, maybe that's when we would have picked up an addresser. I'm not sure. Um, but there wasn't. A whole lot of guys that we felt super sold on, I don't think. I don't think our front office really was sold at the options that were available. I mean, I'm sure that's the first thing you do when you get an offer like that and you say, all right, if we took those, who would we take with them? Because as I've said before, those picks have to be converted to players at some point. So you're essentially trading those players for that player. And I'll be interested to see who those picks turned into because that's going to gonna decide whether or not it was a good choice by Scott Fitterer and he bet his job on it and I respect the man for backing Brian Burns and I don't think that he suddenly stops now by lowballing him on a contract or failing to sign him before the season starts because if we go into the season without signing Brian Burns it is going to be an abject failure by all accounts because you don't give up what we gave up say what we've said and do what we've did and then let our cornerstone edge rusher into his contract year without an extension. That's just a bad look, and it's bad business. And I don't think Scott Fitter is a bad businessman. I think he knows what he's doing. So I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, And then also, I just wanted to talk about training camp as well. I was able to make it out on Sunday. And I got to say, it was a little bit of a disappointment I just don't know why they even opened it up to the public. I That was the first training camp that I had ever been to, so I don't really know what it's like at other training camps, especially with Frank Reich. I know other people have been to training camps before, but I know that different coaches do it different ways. And this training camp, it was, or at least that day, they were on the opposite field literally the whole practice. We got to see some cornerback drills. They got kind of close to us at some point. Um, But then, like, most of the time through the practice when they were doing seven-on-seven and team drills and they did some live tackling, it was the other side of the field the whole time. And I don't – I would just make the the practice private or just do an autograph signing at the end of 
practice and just say like, come at this time for autographs. Why tell us that it's going to be an open practice and then go to the other side of the field the entire time. And for the bulk of practice and like the parts that you would actually want to see, it was blocked off. They don't want anyone to get their secrets. I understand. But also you, you invited fans, you brought fans in, you told them that it was an open practice and you implied that you're going to be able to at least view. I do think the Panthers have done kind of a bad job of like relaying what exactly training camp is uh, because I didn't really know where to go. Uh, you get there and there's here's some tips for you so you don't make the same mistakes I did. So there's when you go in, there's three fields. There's one closest to a hill, there's the far field, and then there is the field on the right that's a little bit smaller. So when I was there, the one on the right that's a little bit smaller, that is towards where they do the autographs. So what you just there's a very small walkway between a fence and a hill. And it looks like it might be blocked off or something. It's not. That's where you get the autograph. So you just keep walking, hang a right, and keep walking between the hill and the fence. And then it'll open up a little bit, and there will be where you can get your autographs. That little field on the right is also where the quarterbacks warm up. Or at least that's where they were when I was there on that one day. And so that was the thing. Otherwise, when you get in... There's a hill, and it's perfect for viewing, um, but also it's kind of giving you the impression like, oh my gosh, you can get a front row seat, and they're going to be here the whole time, and it's going to be a good show. And we sat there, and we sat there, and we sat there, and they never came in front of us. They never ran a play in front of us, never any drills. It was pretty much empty, where the bulk of the fans were. And then slowly throughout the practice, people realize like, oh, they're actually never going to come over this way. So a lot of people there is on the left side, if you just walk straight, you can be on the end of the field and basically behind the end zone and you can watch from there. But the players are still kind of blocking it off. And when we were there, again, pretty much 90% of the practice was on the far end. So it's very hard to see. Which, again, I understand. This is not like a fan event. This is not like a, a thing that... It's not like Fan Fest, which is specifically for fans. But if you're going to invite fans, at least give us like something for like 10-15 minutes to watch. They're, you were away from the fans for pretty much two hours. Practice started at 10-15. Gates opened at 9-15. We got there early. And we ended up sitting there for two and a half, three hours. Barely saw anybody. Barely saw anything. And that was the case for a lot of fans. They didn't really tell you where they were going or what they were doing. It it was a little frustrating. You're like, at least tell us what where you're going to be and what you're going to do instead of us just sitting there waiting for something to happen. And... I get it. Maybe I was dumb. I tried to do as much research as possible. I looked up the FAQs beforehand... I knew what I could bring in, etc. I do my research. I mean, I love to play them. So I checked all that stuff out beforehand. And all in all, if you're going for an autograph, it's a great chance to get one of those instead of paying $230 for an autographed helmet on the website. But if you're going for a show or to see like 
I was going to see kind of like practice and get like a little taste of what a game might be look like without paying for one. It is not that. Um, it is basically a glorified autograph session, um, or at least the practice that I was at was. Um, there was a few vet days as well. I think Hayden Hurst, Shaq Thompson both had a vet day. There's a couple other guys. So I think Shy Tuttle had a vet day. So, you know, obviously it could be a lot of fun for you, uh, but it is obviously hot in Spartanburg. That is to be expected. Um, you can bring in your own cooler, your own chair, all of that. You do have to have a ticket. It's free, though. Uh, but, you know, the, I just wish the communication was a little bit better. And we're just like going off a clock like, oh, this clock obviously means something. Oh, it's when they transition from one thing to the next. And we're like, okay, maybe they'll transition in 10 minutes to come in front of us and they never did so is it a family friendly thing there is a little football field outside of the stadium that your kid can probably go play at if they want to when they get bored and realize that they can't actually see the team in action so that's definitely a possibility um, but other than that as far as like family friendliness goes I would say it's probably not that family friendly in terms of there's there's not really any entertainment for the little ones. Um, there's not anything special going on. It's very hot, and there is that limited space to play. And then once you get in there, it's just hill. It's That's it. There's no seating or anything. It's just hill. So it's not really anywhere to play or hang out or anything for kids. Um, it's also very hot, direct sunlight, no shade. You can bring an umbrella, though. I would advise doing that. And plenty of water. Um, because even in an hour and a half or two-hour practice, it's I finished I had a 30 ounce bottle of water and I was finished with it with like 30 minutes to go um, so if you're going to bring kids you just know that you're bringing them to try to get an autograph I assume otherwise you know maybe just take them to a game or go to fan fest next year um, I, I will be at the joint practice on Wednesday so that will be a lot of fun for me hopefully there will be a little more action I'm thinking with Nine, two teams, 90 plus 90, 180 guys. They've got to be on the field in front of the fans at some point. So hopefully they actually scrimmage them in front of the fans and not on the far side of the field where you can't see anything. I I hope, fingers crossed. So we'll see. Um, but at this point, I, I personally probably won't go back to training camp again unless it's a joint practice. I'll make my determination actually after I get to go to joint practice. But personally... It's not really something that's in my wheelhouse, and I am, like, obsessed with football. So, I mean, I'm, I've got a podcast that I've been doing for a while now just about the Panthers. So, obviously, I'm in the amount of people who love football. So, however much you love football, I'm probably right there with you. And even I was, like, I was trying to convince my wife, like, hey, this is a lot of fun. This is, it, you know, I, I wish we could see something. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, even I was kind of bored and i'm glad i did it once i won't go back again so if you haven't gone it's worth a go try it out maybe you'll like it but it just wasn't my cup of tea that's all but i'm, I'm sure maybe with kids it's more fun or trying to get those autographs it can be a lot more fun but that's not really a big deal to me i guess personally so and we did go to mo's afterwards it's a really good barbecue place i told my wife i was like we got to go somewhere with barbecue because South Carolina is really good at barbecue. And we went and it was Alabama style. So apparently Alabama is very good at barbecue too. You can't go wrong in the South. But it was great. So if you get a chance, just go right across the street afterwards. 
and eat some good old barbecue. Don't stop at the sketchy gas station, though. We did. And uh, on the way out, and there was a drunk dude who fell off his bike and his gun went across on the ground. So there are still parts of Spartanburg that can be a little sketch, just like Charlotte, a little sketch for some parts. He was yelling at somebody, but there was nobody there. So maybe something else going on in that situation. But we got our um, third, the first time I ever ended the gas on $13. We got our $13 of gas and got the heck out of there. Um, so just be a little careful out there. Don't go outside of Wofford. I, I haven't spent that much time in Spartanburg, but maybe just don't stop anywhere outside of the campus. It's not not worth it. Uh, but yes, that is um, everything I wanted to talk about. So thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I hope you all have a great rest of your day. Have a great Tuesday. Tune in tomorrow for more updates from training camp, more news, and more analysis. Um, yep, yeah, I will see you tomorrow. Peace.